Welcome back to Hyperbaric Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Masha. Today, I have with me Shannon Cannons. Shannon Cannons is the Executive Director of the International Hyperbarics Association. She's a nationally recognized speaker and has been the keynote speaker at many national conferences, such as United States Autism and Asperger Association, National Autism Association, Autism One, and Talk About Curing Autism. She has received many rewards and honors for her work in the field of hyperbaric medicine. Shannon received national attention as she appeared on the Montel Williams show to talk about how hyperbaric oxygen therapy saved her daughter's life. Shannon is the founder of the Wisconsin Integrative Hyperbaric Center, an integrative medical center that specializes in hyperbaric therapy. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Of course, we're going to be talking about hyperbarics, but not only because it's called hyperbaric living. Many have heard Grace's story, but for those who didn't, could you tell us about your precious daughter, your Grace? Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite things to talk about are my daughters. So as you know, I have two beautiful daughters, Lillian and Grace. Grace is my youngest daughter. I really had no reason to think that there was going to be any issues with Grace. So once Grace was born, I took her home in the normal amount of times, but it started to notice pretty quickly that she wasn't tracking me. She wasn't latching on when I was breastfeeding. It took me probably 15 to 20 phone calls to convince the doctors that there was definitely something not the same that like there was with Lily. And she kept doing this like eye movement. And it was, it was always like she was looking through me and not at me. That's how I always explained it early on where she just wasn't present. And so we lived about 60 miles outside the city and we finally got an appointment with an ophthalmologist and a neurologist in the city on the same day. And we went to the ophthalmologist first and then Grace started doing these eye movements. And he asked me if that's what that was. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, to me, those look like seizures. So they didn't even let us take Grace in the car and they had us ambulanced from, you know, less than like eight blocks to the hospital. And then the neurologist met us at the hospital. When they got there, they said they had to admit her into the hospital. You know, the first couple of days they talked about her having epilepsy and I'm like, okay, well, I had a good friend in high school that had epilepsy and like she lived a really normal life. And if that was, you know, let's just get this on the road and get things going. Right. Well, what we thought was going to be like a 14-day stay, getting her regulated to medicine for the seizures turned into almost three straight years of living in the hospital. The final diagnosis of my daughter came when she was a year and a half old, and she was diagnosed with a very rare form of mitochondrial disease. Her type is mitochondrial cytochrome C reductase deficiency. Most of the children have the oxidative form that do have this form of mitochondrial disease. And at that time, there was only four other children living that had been diagnosed with this disease and they all had passed away before the age of two. So we were at Mayo Clinic when we got our diagnosis from New York Presbyterian Hospital. And mind you, this is after a brain biopsy, three muscle biopsies, skin biopsies, bone marrow transplant. You know, she was listed as failure to thrive at, you know, at age one on a good day, she weighed eight pounds. And once we finally got her diagnosis, they flew us back from Mayo Clinic, back to our home base hospital in Madison. And they basically told us that, you know, she had this terminal disease. I needed to take her home and just spend the rest of her days with her in my home. 
they no longer wanted to fight to save Grace's life once they found out it was a terminal disease. So that kind of started my whole venture with hyperbarics because I didn't want to stop the life measuring things that they were doing for Grace. And I wanted to fight for her, but I didn't know what was out there. Well, they had decided that they were going to stop all life altering things, no more feeding tube, no more keeping her warm under a heat lamp, none of these things. And I, you know, our case started to hit the media and a lot of parents reached out to me and said, you should try hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And I'm like, what is this? And they're like, it sounds like your daughter kind of mimics children that have cerebral palsy, you know, that have, you know, the, the no movement, this and that. And I'm just like, I started investigating it on my own and I'm like, I'm going to try it because, you know, I wanted to do everything I could do for Grace before I did let her go. And that's kind of where our journey started. I, I researched hyperbarics and I took her out of the hospital against medical advice and drove all the way to Florida to start hyperbarics. Had no idea that hyperbarics was going to help her. I just knew that my purpose at that time was that I needed to know that I did everything possible for Grace before I let her go because I knew that I needed to be a good mom to my other daughter, Lily. And I didn't, in my mind, I didn't think I could be a good mom to Lily unless I knew that I did everything for Grace. And really at the end of the day, being a mom, I just wanted, I just wanted Grace to know that I loved her and that she was loved by so many people before she left this earth. And what I ended up getting was absolutely amazing. I, I always say, people always like it, say to me, it's a miracle. And I'm like, it may be a miracle, but really it's science. Hyperbaric therapy is a proven uh, you know, therapy that helps. And I don't always want to just leave it up to like, oh, it was a miracle because I feel like it takes away from the actual science behind hyperbaric oxygen therapy and why it actually works. And so we started our treatments, had a spec scan. Even when we had the spec scan at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, the doctor told me, why are you here? Why are you in Florida? I told him. And he was like, you should just take your daughter home. And I'm like, listen, I raised all this money from people that would just stop and give me $10 on the street, give me Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts that brought quarters. There's no way that I can give this money back. So I have to at least try this. And so he was willing to do a spec scan of Grace's brain, get her stable in the hospital. And then we went outpatient to do the hyperbarics. And after about 70 sessions, we went back to that same doctor. He repeated the spec scan and he was like, whatever you're doing, it's changing. You need to keep doing it. And so that's our journey of hyperbarics. We started to do hyperbarics. Grace started to, you know, move her fingers, lift her head. You know, if you go back a little bit pre-hyperbaric therapy, when we started, my daughter was almost three years old when we started hyperbarics. She only weighed 12 pounds. She was blind. She had a feeding tube. She was on 42 pharmaceutical medications. On a good day, she only had 100 seizures, even on the medicine. She had infantile spasms to the brain. And basically, she just laid there and she did not really know that I was her mom. And fast forward post hyperbarics, Grace's vision became restored. She started to become stronger, lift, she started to lift her head up. She started to try to crawl. She smiled and was just starting to like improve. And it was, it was absolutely amazing for us to see all the improvements that we were getting with hyperbarics. How old is Grace now? 
Grace is now 22 years old. So she has lived 20 years past what all of the doctors told us that she would live. And not only did she live 20 years past, this kid is sassy. She goes to the University of Wisconsin. She takes music classes, adaptive PE classes there. She swims on her own. She can bike on her adaptive bike. She no longer has her feeding tube. She's no longer blind. She's, she only is on two pharmaceutical medicines compared to the 42 pharmaceutical medicines. She walks completely on her own. But the most important thing that I got out of hyperbarics is that I got a daughter that no longer looks through me. She looks at me and she smiles and she touches me, says she loves me. And most importantly, she knows that I'm her mom and she knows she is so incredibly loved. And it's just an amazing, amazing life that we have and that we get to share together. Okay. If this story doesn't touch people's hearts, I don't know what does, honestly. And I know you say it's science, but it is a miracle brought yes. in by science, but it is, uh, it is a miracle. Does Grace get her hyperbaric sessions daily? She does. She loves her chamber. Like we have a home chamber. We use an OxyHealth chamber we have in our home now. And she loves it. She asks for it every day. And the days that she doesn't want to go in it, there's always a reason. And it's just so funny because she's so adamant. Like we've had people come over like family. My mom has MS. She's used the chamber and Grace is really, really like sassy. Like she doesn't want people using her chamber. Like, you know, one time, one of Lily's significant other, he had shoulder surgery and he came in to use it and Grace got up and she went and like pounded on the chamber and was like, no, no. And I'm like, Grace, you have got to chair your chamber. This is, you know, what all it is. But yeah, she goes in every day, 90 minutes. And she loves it, you know, and I know for, I know that it is helping her. It continues to help her with her, any inflammation that she has in the gut inflammation that she has in her brain. You know, it's what really keeps her like out of the hospital in the winter time when we used to have so many pneumonias with her living in, you know, Wisconsin, where we can get like 30 below weather. She's rarely in the hospital anymore. And this is a child that lived her first three years in the hospital and up until like age eight, nine, 10. We probably had 10 to 20 hospital visits a year. I can't remember the last time we, we spent any time in a hospital. That's how old it is. Wow. And she uses it with supplemental oxygen. Well, we, we use it. Grace just does ambient air. You know, wow. when it's wintertime, we'll do the oxygen concentrator and we'll do the flow through because Grace won't keep anything, you know, a mask on or anything like that. And so we'll do flow through during the wintertime. But the improvements that I have seen with her just with the ambient air, because, you know, you are getting more oxygen just by going in with ambient air. It's like 22 to 27% more than what we would be getting, you know, by just breathing oxygen on outside of the chamber. So we still see incredible improvements with her just going in a chamber at 1.3 and with the ambient air. And then again, like I said, in the wintertime, we always like to pump that extra stuff in just because of the cold and flu season in Wisconsin. I'm just curious, have you tried higher pressures with Grace? I, you know, I did, you know, I have my clinic, a place of Grace I had here in Wisconsin and we were kind of like at a standstill. And one of the doctors was like, why don't we bump her up to 1.5? Because I had the steel chambers, right. And we could go in and she had a hood. And at 1.5, we did like 20 sessions and didn't see any improve. Like we didn't see any changes with her at that 1.5. So then they bumped her to 1.75. And one treatment, she actually regressed. At one treatment, she started to do like head banging 
and like things I'd twitching and things I'd never seen her do. So like we did a second treatment that day. We did four hours in between, did the second 1.75, same type of stuff. And we're like, nope, her, her threshold is 1.3. So we just brought her back and, you know, maybe someday, you know, we're over 5,000 treatments obviously now, and maybe someday she'll need more, but right now it's working for us. So I just am continuing to do what I'm doing. And that's the biggest thing. Like when parents ask me, you know, always like, is it more better? And I'm like, I'm one of those test cases to say, no, more isn't better. And that lower pressure every day is better than doing high pressure, you know, 40 sessions and then having to take, you know, a month off or two months off. So, you know, she really is a, a mild hyperbaric kid. So you have such an extensive experience in hyperbarics, over 20 years witnessing all these miracles. And I'm sure you've seen other people with mitochondrial diseases, maybe not the one that Grace has, but others. Do you feel that all of them benefit from mild pressure more than higher pressure? Or? You know, we treated at, at the clinic in Wisconsin. We, you know, a lot of kids with mitochondrial came to that clinic because that's where Gracie and I were, right? And most of them were at the 1.3. There was one that went to 1.5 that did better than the 1.3, but on average, most of them were always at the lower pressure. And, you know, when I talked to Grace's doctors about that, I asked them, you know, what is it with the mitochondrial disease that 1.3 pressure seems to be enough and seems to be better than doing it? And it's because when you already have like a mitochondrial disease and not dysfunction, but like disease, you already have an, you know, an oxygen issue. You already have issues where you're not getting enough oxygen into all the different chambers. It's not crossing, you know, the blood brain barrier. So just that little bit push at the 1.3 is just enough to get it doing what it's doing. And everything else is so fragile that it's just so much better to just have things go slower. So, you know, instead of doing like that quick thing, having things go slower, you're going to have less complications. So I would say most kids that I'm aware of that are mitochondrial kids, they all are at the lower pressure, you know, and they do very well at that. And not necessarily with supplemental oxygen. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of our kids that have mitochondrial issues, you know, that's very, and even with other populations, like kids with autism, it's very hard to keep masks on them and so forth but usually it's just ambient air unless a parent goes in and is able to hold the actual mask on. But it's been a really amazing therapy. And what I've liked about the results that we've seen is it makes it so much more easier for the parents, right? Because when you think about if it only worked because you had to hold a mask on or you had to go to a clinic that has a hood, I think about all the families that would not be able to get hyperbarics because not everybody has a clinic right down the street from them and not everybody can afford to go travel and stay in a hotel. And so it really made my heart extra happy when I realized that these chambers were helping kids in Grace's condition because parents could rent them and do them in their home and the kids were actually getting them because I know many people haven't gotten hyperbarics because it's just too far away from where they live and they can't afford it. But now I think it's becoming more affordable and a lot more accessible, right? Than 20 years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I started with hyperbarics, you know, 20, 20 years ago, we went all the way to Florida for our treatment. There's only one other clinic in Wisconsin. It was in St. Luke's and they refused to treat Grace. You know, there was, I think we had maybe 14 IHA provider clinics. And now this nonprofit that I run, we're up, you know, over 800 in the U.S., 
that are actually part of my organization. So it's so much easier for people to get hyperbarics. They don't even have to leave their state to get any longer. And then because the research is out, when I first started hyperbarics, research wasn't out on 1.3 pressure. Everything was 1.5, 1.75. The portables weren't really in play a whole lot. Now, you know, you know, people are so, they have so much more available to them than I did 20 years ago. So, and now you can even rent them for your home. When we started hyperbarics back in, in Florida, the clinic, even though I was in a steel chamber, like a Seacrest and a Vickers type of chamber, that doctor still only put grace at 1.1. So, you know, so those, those families where doctors still are just treating them at lower pressure because they are very severe. They have mitochondrial disease. Maybe they have really serious like heart conditions or Lyme disease and your pediatrics, they want to keep you at that lower pressure. They keep you at that low pressure, whether you're in a hundred percent chamber environment or whether you're not. So it's been really nice to see that growth in that industry showing that the 1.3 works because it has definitely made a difference for you know, hundreds of thousands of, of people throughout the world. And you play one of the leading roles in making it affordable and accessible, not only in the U.S., but around the world as well, because you're an executive director of International Hyperbaric Association. Shannon, can you tell us a little bit or a lot what mm-hmm. initiatives association currently has, conferences, what is going on within that? Well, we just we just got done having our summer conference and it was absolutely amazing. I have to say it was our best one in history. And I'm just so incredibly proud of my team. I'm gonna cry a little bit and and the physicians because you know everybody speaks at the IHA for free. They don't charge the association to come and speak. And I have people like Dave Asprey, Dr. Daniel Amen, I have I had Jim Quick, I had Dr. Daniel Pampa, I had you know, all these amazing physicians, Rosa, Dr. Rosanel, Dr. Neuenschwander, Dr. Newbrander, people that were just absolutely amazing that came and spoke at this conference. We had over 200 attendees and we really have changed. The, our, my goal and my mission has always remained the same, which is to really educate the public on hyperbaric and have it be more accessible. But we really have expanded that. And, you know, we have really, you know, worked really hard to show people that it's not just about, you know, treating a disease that you currently have, but it's also about prevention. You know, it's also about making sure that you're healthy and making sure that these parents that have kids with special needs, you know, are taking care of themselves and getting themselves treated in a chamber, taking the supplements that they need to take, you know, really being mindful of the toxins that are in our environment. So we have a lot of new initiatives going on. We are going to be coming to Spain. I'm super excited about that. So we're working on those dates where we're going to have a conference in Spain. We're going to have a conference in January in Cancun, Mexico. So I'm very excited about that conference. We have a lot of just membership initiatives where we have created a whole new you know, deck for our members. So we have like a video vault. If you're a member with the IHA, you can go in and look at any of our past videos. We have a directory, all IHA member clinics, so that if there's a doctor in like you in Spain and one of your patients is coming to the US and going to Texas, you can look in the directory and be like, oh, you know, that's Clay Walmick's clinic. Let's send you over there when you're there because we want to get some treatments. So we have really like really formed a great group of people in the United States and internationally. And we're going to focus a lot in the next, you know, five years of really expanding our international 
members because we really are getting pretty solid here in the US where we feel very comfortable now we can take our platform and take it to the next level. We've also added a a legal platform to the IHA, which has been very nice. This was the first year that we had legal speaking at the conference. And that was very helpful because when you're starting to open clinics and doing things, we want people to do it the right way. We want people to make sure that they're not making claims on their websites. So we have actually kind of like an A to Z booklet that people can use and they just change out the IHA logo with their logo and bam, they have their website already done and that they know that the material and what they're saying on their website is correct because it's already gone through our legal experts. So we have that initiative and then we have our golf tournament initiatives and that is strictly to raise money to fund treatments for families that can't afford hyperbaric therapy. So any money that we raise you know, through our different golf tournaments that we're doing throughout the next couple of years and on will be in going into the HOPE Fund, which is Hyperbaric Oxygen Pediatric Endowment, which will provide hyperbaric therapy to families that can't afford it. So we're super excited about that initiative as well. The fund is operating, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. The fund has been operating for years. We just, you know, because it was really just me running the IHA for the last 20 years, I now have a team behind me. And so it's not just me. I have three other employees now, which I've never had. And so the fund's always been there. And whenever I needed money, I would just go to people that I knew and companies that I knew and said, I need to have this, you know, little girl in Tennessee that needs to have 40 sessions. This is what I negotiated with one of the IHA clinics. And then they would sponsor them. Now we're going to have that fund just being filled and we will just take applications and fund treatments as, as people apply for them. So that's and really, really super exciting. You're a fighter. You fought for your kid, for your child, and now you're fighting for other people's children. And this is amazing because you also see the miracles every day, right? Mm-hmm. Kids getting I do. better. I yeah. Do. Yeah. I'm gonna cry too. We need to take <laughs> we need to take a technical <laughs> pause for crying. All right. But I just remember, I remember one time I was in an airport and I was on my way to to talk someplace. And this mom came up, this lady came up to me. I didn't know she was a mom at the time. This lady came up to me and she said, are you, are you Shannon Kennett? And I said, yes, I am. And she's like, I saw, I was, I was doing a podcast with Dr. Amen. And she said, I saw and heard your podcast with Dr. Amen. And I just want to tell you that, you know, what you're doing is amazing and it's helping so many people. And then she went in to tell me her story about her daughter. And she said, you know, she wished, you know, her daughter had passed away and she had wished that she had known about hyperbarics, you know, all those years ago when her daughter was little. And I was, I just remember in that moment, I was just like, this is why I'm away from my family so much is because I don't want a mom or a dad or a grandparent not knowing about hyperbarics and not at least giving it a chance. And, you know, it was the most surreal moment when she was still thanking me, even though she didn't use hyperbarics with her daughter and her daughter had passed away. And I just remember that being a moment in my life where I was at a kind of at a crossroads because I was missing so much of my own family. In as much as I tried to always be there for 
all of Lily's volleyball games and all of her proms and her homecomings and all of that. Sometimes I just wasn't able to be. I'm a, I was a, I'm a single mom raising two children, one with special needs. And I had to go where when people hired me to speak, I had I had to go. And in that moment in time, it made me realize that my mission is that I never want another human being to come up to me and say they did not know that hyperbarics helps with these indications. And I will continue to do what I have to do to spread that word, to let people know that this should be a first choice therapy, not a last choice therapy, and that it shouldn't just be used when you have a diagnosis, that you should be using it just to stay healthy in your life on a daily basis. So that was my pivotal moment in my life. And I've heard many, many amazing stories, obviously, of people that have used hyperbarics. But that particular one, it just changed my life that day in Chicago's airport because I knew that you know, what I was doing was right. I knew that it was for the better good. I knew that I was blessed and lucky enough that parents reached out to me to tell me about hyperbarics that ended up being a therapy that not only saved my daughter's life, but saved our family. Wow. We're really thankful, Shannon. Thank you. And that's why we do what we do here at Hyperbaric Living, because I also feel it's so important to spread the word, to let people know that this therapy exists. It's available. And if you use it, it might help you with your condition. It might even change your life. Like it changed yours. It changed Grace's life. It changed mine and so many other people around us. I also know that not only educate about the hyperbarics, but also about the quality of the chambers itself, because that's equally as important, right? Yes, it is. Yes. We're really on an initiative here in the U.S. I don't know what it's like in Spain, but here in the U.S., we've had a lot of chamber manufacturers coming into our country illegally, and they're not approved by the FDA. And so we've had a lot of problems going on. And I never, the IHA was never set up to be like a regulatory board. That has never been our mission or our goal, or we've never wanted that. But we have seen that we have a need for that now, that we have to make sure that we stop these illegal chambers from coming in strictly because if somebody were to be hurt in any chamber, it's going to hurt our field completely. But when you have somebody that possibly gets hurt or you have a parent that doesn't see results and they want their money back and they bought a chamber from a manufacturer that is not allowed to sell in the U.S. and they take that to the state's attorneys and so forth, that's going to hurt everybody. And so we have a huge initiative going on right now to stop those chambers from entering the U.S. We have very few portable chambers that are FDA approved. The IHA only endorses FDA approved chambers. And you cannot even be a member of our association if you're using illegal chambers. And we've even had to, when we found out some members were also selling the non-approved chambers, we've had to take their membership away. That's how strict and strong we are because we need hyperbarics to be here for the next hundred years, the next thousand years, and it's not going to happen. And so we're really working hard on this initiative to contact those manufacturers and those distributors that are coming into the country illegally and saying, get your credit, go to FDA, get your approvals, get your 510 clearance, you know, go into this because you're harming people. Like you might be selling a thousand chambers, but eventually something's going to happen. And is it going to be worth it? Because it will be on your shoulders, you know? So we're doing a really strong stance. We're working closely with the FDA where, you know, anytime anybody tells me about somebody that's using illegal chambers, you know, I immediately report them to the FDA because it's my job as executive director of IHA to maintain safe 
hyperbaric therapy and to promote the effectiveness and the safety of it. I can't do that to chambers that are coming into this country illegal. You know, so we have on our website, we are going to be putting up a whole new initiative. We'll be listing all the chambers that are not FDA approved. It's been a little tricky, I have to say, because you have a company called Macy Pan that's been coming into the US and they do private labeling. So some of these doctors don't even know that their chamber is illegal. And that's what's so frustrating. I had a couple of them come to the conference. And when I put a picture of the chamber on my screen, they're like, wait a minute, I have that chamber. What do you mean it's not legal? So like, that's how sneaky some of these people are that are coming in. And I'm sorry, I'll be damned if I let somebody come into my country and sell illegal chambers and destroy a field that I've worked 20 plus years on, not going to happen under my watch. So I'm going after them. I have no problem going after them. I don't feel bad about going after them. What I feel bad about is a child like Grace, 10 years down the road, doesn't get hyperbarics because they ban it like how Italy has. So there are countries where you can't even get hyperbarics and that's not going to happen in my country. This is my country. You know, this is the United States of America and I'm here to make sure that hyperbaric stays and I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with these people that aren't following the rules. Absolutely. And U.S. is in the forefront right now in hyperbarics. So things have to be done properly in U.S. to ensure that the rest of the world follows. Follows. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's working. We, it is working. We've had, I had several people contact me after my conference that asked for my help. It's hard for me to get money back when you bought money from a company that's not even located in the United States. Right. But I said, I will write them a letter and I'll let them know that, you know, they sold this illegally and like IHA will certainly file a complaint against them if they do not return the money to these doctors. I've done that over the last like five years. And I've had like luck maybe with two people where the company gave them their money back and they returned the chamber. And then the physician ended up buying a chamber that was legal in the US. So that's our hope. And my hope is that my members will see that it's not about telling on your neighbor who has a chamber that may be safe. Because at the end of the day, the chambers may be safe. However, they're still not legal. So you don't have that backing. If something happens, you are now putting patients in a chamber that's not even legally allowed to be here. It's different when you have a legal chamber and you're using it for off-label because as a physician or a business person, you're allowed to use products that are FDA approved, 510 clearance. You're allowed to use them for whatever you want to use them for. The problem isn't that. The problem is the equipment itself is illegal. So it nullifies everything else. You can't say, well, that person down the street uses it for off-label. Yes, using it for off-label is totally legal. The FDA doesn't have an issue with that. But the equipment that you're using, it's not legal. So it's a whole nother ballpark, you know? And I don't want these doctors to get themselves in a situation where they lose their whole livelihood and their whole business, you know, because somebody's trying to peddle a chamber and make money. And those people that are, I feel like for the most part, the people that are coming into this country and trying to sell them. I've had some dealings with them and very few of them are really doing this out of the goodness of their heart. It is bottom line money. And that's what makes me angry. And that's what pushes my buttons even more so. I should also say that there are many levels to the safety. So one thing we're talking about chamber leaking air or something happening to the zipper, but we also need to take into account the materials that the chamber is made of. 
So a lot of these illegal chambers that are coming, they're made of materials that are so toxic that being inside the chamber and inhaling all the toxins that are off-gassing of this material, it's dangerous. Yeah. Like putting Grace in a chamber like that when she was three years old, when her immune system was nothing, would have been horrific. You know, and here you think here an innocent person, like a mom like me, I, I don't know that. I don't know that I'm going in a chamber that's not correct, you know, and that's why I need to stop it. That's why I need, you know, my members to like, let me know when they hear of these chambers, because that's not fair to a mom like me who went and raised all this money to do hyperbarics to then put my child in a chamber that is even more toxic than what my child was getting on the outside. So, you know, stuff like that is just, we need to stop it, you know, and, and we made a decision as a team that that was going to be one of our largest initiatives in the next 12 months, because I've had more dealings with the FDA in the last 18 months than I've had in 20 years. And I see that they're taking notice and they're watching and they're watching because of the studies that have come out that hyperbarics actually can be beneficial for COVID and long-term people that have had COVID and are having the side effects of having it. So you know, they're definitely watching because of people stating and the research that has come out. There have been a few studies already that have come out that if you have COVID and if you're chronic COVID, there are hospitals are actually like, if you get it and you're you're in a dangerous place, they're actually putting you in chambers in hospitals now here in the US. But we're also looking at the the maintenance of what your body went through if you got COVID and the side effects, long-term side effects that people have, like the tiredness, the brain fog, you know, the fuzziness and all that, that hyperbarics is actually helping. So you bet the FDA and the government, the CDC, they're going to watch. So I need to make sure that all my IHA private clinics are doing things the right way with the proper equipment, with safety in mind and the effectiveness and the efficacy for each patient that goes in that chamber. And Shannon, if listeners want to find those studies, they can find them on the IHA website, right? Yep. They, yep, they can go to IHAUSA.org. And yep. there are COVID studies and all of the studies available. Yes. They can download. Yes. Great. Yep. Shannon, thank you for taking time out of your super busy schedule. Oh, I know you're... how busy it is. You, I don't even know where you get time to sleep. And sharing with my listeners about hyperbarics, your amazing story. I've heard it maybe, I don't know, 10 times. And every time I cry, I cry. (laughs) You know, it breaks my heart and then it makes it heal again. Mm -hmm. And all in like three minutes. It's amazing. I know. Uh, We always have a standing joke. Like when I'm going on stage to speak, I'm like, I'm not going to cry this time. Like, I know the story. This is my life. Like I lived it. I live it. And it just, I get to certain parts about Grace's life. And I just, I'm just in saw so much awe of this young woman who has just battled everything and has beaten every odd. And that hyperbarics is like her hero. Like Grace's hero is hyperbarics. And to watch her today and to see what hyperbarics has done for her, I can't help but like cry when I tell the story. My friends are always in the audience counting. Let's see how long it takes before she starts to cry, you know, but I'm working on it. But crying is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate oh. everything that you do. And I'm sure, well, if people want to find you, they can find you at IHAUSA.org. Yeah, and so then there's shannonandgrace.com. 
You can go to shannonandgrace.com. It's a website, a wealth of knowledge. It has videos on it on how to find doctors if you're a parent with special need kid, how to, you know, hyperbarics and, you know, how to get your child in a chamber. All that kind of stuff is on that website. And then I'll have my team get you all the other things. I, I'm not, I'm not a big Twitter person or a Facebook person. And I have people helping me with that stuff. I'm totally old school. Like I still write my thank you cards. I don't type them and stuff like that. But if you just Google us, you'll be able to find us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about coming to Spain. It's going to be an amazing conference when we're there. We're going to do amazing things. We will. We will. So thank you so much. Have a great day. You too.